book of Deuteronomy is kind of like a sermon from, from, um, from Moses, okay? We're not going to go through all of it, but here's where we end up. I'm going to read the first few verses of Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to read first, verses 1 through 3. They're not on the screen, but the rest of it will be. So if you're in, the, in your Bible, you can follow with me here. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing into the Jordan River or into the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Many of you, you moms, hopefully you woke up to a, a card or some flowers or breakfast in bed or children waking you up and jumping all over you in your bed saying, wake up, you're the world's greatest mom, right, anybody? No? Cup of coffee, maybe? Coffee. All right. Okay. All right. Two cups. You are the world's best mom. Um, but sometimes as parents, we always don't feel like the world's best, do we? There's some days that you just end the day thankful that your kids are still alive and that they're still calling you mom or still calling you dad. And so what I want you to do, what I want to do this morning is give you three, here, we're going to make three big points. Now here's the part, here's the key part about these three points we're going to make, is that they come with key questions. So each point, and then we're going to have a key question for you to write down, and this will help you try to live out that point. Make sense? All right. So here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel. We can say this. Hear, church. Listen up. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Have you heard this part before? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so we're going we're gonna to go right here. Step one to being the world's greatest mother, the world's greatest parent, the world's greatest mentor, or the world's greatest discipler as we make disciples in our home. Preach the gospel to your children. Parents, how good are, how, how are you living this one out? Are you preaching the gospel to your children? Look at verse 7. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. Right there in the middle of all of that, it says, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. What other time is there in the day? (laughs) There isn't. And so it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts as parents, on our hearts as mentors, as leaders, as followers of Christ. They're on our hearts first. And then it says, impress them on your children. Um, Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, or when you lie down, or when you get up. 
See, Moses isn't right now, in this part, he's not talking about the gospel of Jesus. And we're not talking about that either. Right now, he's talking about the law of God, love the law of God. Jesus won't be born for a long, long, long time from this point in history. But what we can say, we can talk about the gospel of Jesus. We can talk about impressing it on our hearts first and then on our children. And so what Moses is talking about right here is just flat-out obedience to God. So I'm going to ask you, who in your life right now are you teaching this to? Who are in your life are you teaching obedience to God? Uh, who's learning that from you? Moses says to teach it when you're sitting down, when you're walking along the road, when you lie down. Moses doesn't mean just those areas. Moses is talking about all the time. All the time impress them on your children, even when that jerk cut you off. Or even when the bills are too, are more than what's in your bank account. Or even when you don't really know where the next meal's coming from. Those are powerful moments to teach the gospel to your children. So how, listen, how often are you telling your children that there's someone in this world who loves them more than you? I'm guilty of this to say, uh, Bo and Sadie, there's, there's no one in this world who loves you more than I do. There is. How often do you, do you ask that question? How often are you telling your children that there's someone who's died for them? You know, probably once they get to be about four or five, six, that's really, they, they can really start to understand uh, that concept with some explaining, and that's why that's your job. Uh, when's the last time you prayed with your kids about their stress, about their tests, about their relationships or the struggles they're having at school? I mean, these are key opportunities to, uh, uh, how often when your kids tell you about something that awesome that's happened in their life, do you say, here, let's take a moment and praise God for that. Man, what, what a powerful moment. When I was in youth ministry, um, which I was a youth minister for about three years, and that was about all I could take. No, I'm kidding. I loved it. Um, but I felt like God was calling me to preach, uh, and so that's why I stopped. But there was, a, there was one teenager in, in our youth group, and uh, he was starting to gr- he, w- he was growing up. We watched him grow up through elementary school, then finally got to youth group. He was the sweetest kid, and then puberty hit, and then he became a punk. And uh, he got to school. Well, he got suspended. Okay, he got, uh, I-, I don't remember what for. I think it was fighting, but that doesn't seem like him. But again, puberty can do some funny things, right? Amen. Oh, <clears throat> sorry. Amen. So anyway, he calls, uh, his mom calls me. And uh, I answered the phone and said, hello. And she said, hey, uh, I just want to let you know that, uh, we'll call him John. Uh, we'll just let you know that John got, kicked, got suspended today. And I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Here's what she said. What are you going to do about it? I was like, uh, I don't know. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> Um, she, she said, can, can you come over and, and talk with him? It's like, yeah, I will. Here's the thing. I came over to talk with him, but then I leave. And then what? Parents, you are your children's youth minister. Parents, you, uh, our, our village section, they have your kids for an hour a week, if that. That's if I preach long. You've got them the rest of the time. Look, stop blaming the church. Raise your kids to love Jesus. But guess who it starts? Guess where it starts first? It starts in your heart. 
It starts with you. And so um, our, our children are never going to learn about grace unless you're teaching it to them. They're never going to learn about how to be a disciple of Jesus unless you're teaching it to them. They're not going to learn about forgiveness until you teach it or grace until you teach it. They're not going to learn, check this one, self-discipline until you push away the second plate. Oh, yeah, right, I know. I'm still not living that one out, okay? All right, that's a hypocritical statement. Uh, actually, let's, let's flip that. That is a self-teaching statement. <laughs> uh, or until you decide not to cuss that person out, or until you decide to carve out time to read Scripture, uh, and they see it. So here's the key question for this one. And the, the, the item is preach the gospel to your children. Here's the question you can ask yourself at the end of the day. What did my kids learn from me about the gospel today? Not yesterday, but today. We should be teaching to them every day. Um, so one of, one of the biggest lessons you can do right now, right now, today, you can do this when you get home is pray with your kids. Just, just sit down and pray with them. They're going to be like, what are you doing? We've never done this before. And exactly. So you're going to start that today. Um, preach the gospel to your children. It means praying with them all the time. And, uh, you know, sometimes our kids don't know what's best for them. Sometimes we don't know what's best for our kids. But what praying with them teaches them is that God does. So pray with your kids. Um, and so here's my prayer for Bowen and Sadie. My prayer for Bowen and Sadie is that they will love Jesus more than anything else in this world. That they will love their family, uh, each other, and that they will love the church. And that's my prayer for them all the time. Uh, I've prayed that since, since before they were born. Um, and those are the essentials, the high priorities that come out of the scriptures for me. Your prayer can be different. But uh, that's my prayer for them. So, you ever heard the saying, don't, don't just speak about it, be about it? No, no thugs, no gangsters in here? Just start saying that. And when you do, throw your hand like this. Don't just speak about it, be about it. Sorry. All right. I'm also trying to teach you moms how to have swag for your kids, okay? Just speak about it. Be about it. Well, if you want to be the greatest mom, you can't just speak about the gospel, but you've got to be about the gospel. Here's the second thing. Be the gospel to your children. Uh, pun, like, be the gospel to your children. Um, so let's, let's look at our scripture again this morning. Go back to the text. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Hear those verbs? Those are verbs. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Verse 7, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. Uh, verse 8, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Notice verse 7 is surrounded by all of these verbs. It's surrounded by all of these verbs of action. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, right? These aren't, uh, it, it's not uh, surrounded with instruction on how to teach your kids how to do it. It's instructions on how to show your kids how to do it. The, the, um, in Jesus' day, which by the way, I think Jesus lived out these verses, 
that we're listening. So read these on your own time and think about the life of Jesus. But uh, anyway, um, Jesus or in Jesus' time, there were these guys called the Pharisees. They were the law-abiding Jews. They wanted you to stick straightly to the Mosaic law. And uh, they, they took these verses serious. Look at verse 8. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Pharisees would walk around with these little boxes, ornate boxes, on their wrists and on their foreheads. And in them were little tiny scrolls. Oh, how cute. <laughs> they were called phylacteries. They took the, these verses literally. Do you think Jesus wants you moms to go home and get these Pandora bracelets that have scripture hanging from them? Do you think that's what Moses was talking about? Or to go get some Under Armour headbands and put them on, but instead of the Under Armour symbol, it just has John 3.16 all around it. you think that's what Moses is talking about? Here's what I think Moses is talking about. I think he wants you to live them with your mind and with your actions, with your whole being and with your hands. Um, Jarrett Stevens, he wrote a book called The Deity Formerly Known as God. It's really good. And the first part of the book, I mention this book all the time, so if you haven't read it yet, you need to, you should. And uh, the first half of the book, he talks about what God is not, and he, he, he compares it to symbols. Like, God is not a cosmic police officer that sits around the corner trying to catch you doing something wrong, right? Sometimes we have that view of God, or, or God is not a buffet where we can just take what we want, take all the good parts, uh, like the macaroni and cheese, and leave the chocolate fondue that kids stick their fingers in at Golden Corral. You can't do that. But what he says, one of the biggest mistakes that we make your children are making it right now, is they're forming their opinion of God based on how they see you live. Our children's first image of who God is is based on the actions and the lives of our parents. Now think about how you see God and maybe how you were raised. Maybe God abandons you whenever you do something wrong, right? Or at least that's the way you see it. Maybe your God is just, maybe God to you is just a punisher, right? He just waits for you to do something wrong and then he punishes you. But what if we started to create a God of grace in our children's lives, right? Not just, God is just also, right? And so you can definitely punish your kids, um, but you definitely need to show grace to your kids and forgiveness and mercy. And so they're forming that off of how, you, how you're living especially if you call yourself a Christ follower. And so, um, listen, it doesn't matter. If your child has perfect attendance it does, in the village, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how often you bring them to church if you're not living it out when you leave here. It doesn't matter how much you live out number one when you preach the gospel to your kids, it doesn't matter how often you talk about the gospel to your kids if they see someone different uh, every other time. Man, one thing I was reading when, uh, when I was preparing to start a church, or I was listening to it, I'm sorry, it was Larry Osborne was talking about how to be the same dad at church, at home, and on vacation. He said, I didn't want my kids to see a different dad at home, at church, and on vacation. Listen, do your kids see a different form of you at church and at home? Because they shouldn't, right? They should see a Christ follower. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, Start off children on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they won't turn from it. So part of the living out the gospel is, watching your, is letting your kids, listen, let your kids see you succeed, right? 
Let them be proud of you. Dad, I'm proud of you. Dad, I'm, uh, Mom, I'm proud of you. Oh, our Sadie, our little Sadie, she's such an encourager. And in the last few days, here's what she starts saying. I like you. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. I don't like you right now. You need to start listening. No, I'm kidding. She says, I, I, I like you. And I love that part of it. Like, I love when she just is, is filled with joy just because you're there. But here's the other part of being a parent. Let them see you fail. And when you fail, don't try to write it off. Like, don't try to explain it away. Here's the thing is you are an imperfect parent, and your kids need to know that. It's a part of living out the gospel in front of your kids. Let them see the gospel through you. Here's your key question. Did my kids see Jesus through me today? Not through the church, not through your neighbor, but through you. Did your kids see the gospel through you today? Here's the interesting thing about the gospel, about the Bible, about living out the Christian faith, is it was never intended to stay inside a movie theater. <laughs> I don't know if it was ever intended to be in a movie theater at all, but that's where we've taken it. So, um, But it's never meant to stay inside the church, and it was never meant to just stay inside our family's walls. So here's the third one. Be the gospel to the world. Um, look at verse 9. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 9, it says this, Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. It wasn't supposed to be like on the top of the door frame that faces the inward part of the house. It was supposed to be written on the door frame of the part that shows the outside. And on the outside and, and on your gates, right? So if... Um, if we're writing the gospel on the outside of your doorframe, do it if you want. I don't care. Uh, you could literally take that literally. You could write the door, it on the doorframe of your gates. You could, you could probably take that literally. But you think Moses wants us to go home and get out our Sharpie marker, right, and start writing Jesus wept on the outside of our gate? I, I don't think so. Um, I think he wants the rest of the world to know just who these people belong to. And so I think that uh, God wants the same for our families, for our homes. So here's, here's a really tough part. So I think the first two, the first two aren't easy, are they? Uh, anybody, well, I guess I shouldn't ask this, but uh, for some of you, <laughs> it's the first two might be easy. It's easier when your kids are little, but once they start to get older and earn an attitude, or I should say learn the attitude, right? Um, it gets a little tougher. But the first two are probably a lot more easier than this last one, isn't it? Being the gospel to those who really don't deserve it or earn it. If your kids are going to see the true essence of the gospel, of what the Bible and the Christian faith is all about, then they got to see it lived outside of your home. So, it's great to, to serve. Like, here's, here's, this is cool, man. It's great for you to say, I'm going to love Jesus. And then it's great for when you're starting to get ready and, you, and your kids are like, where are you going to go? And then you put on, or, or they see you wear your village shirt because you're going to serve in the children's ministry. Man, that, that rocks. It's awesome when, when they see you throw on uh, some clothes late at night and they say, where are you going to go? And you're like, oh, someone's broke down. I'm going to go help them. Or, or on Saturday, you spend Saturday helping someone else with their stuff. Man, that's great. But here's what's going to make it better. Start serving people with your children by your side. 
right? Like, like bring them with you. And there's some really like risk-free places to serve. Go serve at the Onslow Pregnancy Resource Center. They need stuff that your kids can do, stuff envelopes or, or things like that. Go, go serve at the Chew House, which is uh, part of the um, uh, uh, United Way. I mean, they're feeding kids on the weekends who don't get to eat. They're packing bags, and then they take them to school. The kids take them home Friday, uh, and then they can eat food on Saturday and Sunday. Um, serve at Onslow Community Outreach at the soup kitchen. Your kids can serve food, right? So you can do things like that with them. I mean, I'm sure that there are more. But for you to serve others and show them what Jesus looks like with your kids, man, those are going to create memories. They're going to create lasting lasting impression on, on your kids. And so... This is how we're making disciples in our home. Here's the key question that goes with number three. Who did my family serve in the name of Jesus today? I think it's important to say in the name of Jesus because there are a lot of good people out there that do a lot of good things, but it's not because of Christian faith. It's just because they have the, check this, they have this innate built-in part that says I need to do good for other people. If that's not proof of God, I don't know what is, right? Anyway, there are some people that, there, there's some really good atheists out there, man, who, who serve and do really good stuff. But doing it in the name of Jesus and because of Jesus is where it's at. And so ask that question. Listen, if you're asking these three questions at the end of each day, you're making disciples in your home. Even if the answer, like number three, who did my family serve in the name of Jesus today? It might be nobody. But at least you're asking the question. And at least it's this repetitive thing that you're asking yourself and your family, and you've got it in your mind so that when the opportunity arises, you can serve. Listen, ask these three questions every day. I fail at this sometimes. But here's the key. Is you fail, your kids see, and we're teaching them the gospel. And then when we say, listen, daddy messed up. I shouldn't have yelled at you like that. Oh, man, this is a good story. Bone was two, and he didn't quite, he, he got excited. And whenever he got excited, uh, he didn't know what to do, so he would just bite. Any other kids, oh, sorry, that was my fault. Any other parents, kids ever did that? Like, he would just get so excited, and he would just bite the mess out of you. So anyway, we had some people over, and, and Bone, he just get, got so excited, and he ran down the hallway. And I got a little gut going. You know, I'm still working on it, but it looks good. And he runs down. I just got home. He runs down. He plants his face in this comfortable pillow that I call stomach. And my man just bit the mess out of me. And if you've never bit, been bitten right below the belly button, it is the worst experience of my human life, except for when I got my wisdom teeth taken out. And he bit me, and I'm, ki- I'm not kidding you, man. I still feel bad about this. I just slapped him. And it was just out of reaction. Y'all, my heart was broken. Like, I had to go to the back room. We had people over. I'm the pastor, and I just smacked my kid in front of everyone, these two. It, later that day, it was like the Holy Spirit just said, you need to ask him for forgiveness. And he's two, so of course he's going to say yes. So it's like low risk, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, all right, here's a piece of chocolate. <laughs> there are times when you're going to blow it as a parent, and that's okay. 
but don't ignore the opportunity to teach the gospel to your kids. Don't ignore the, the opportunity to be the gospel to your kids, and, and don't ignore the opportunities to be the gospel to the world in front of your kids. Jesus came to, ser- to be served, not to serve. This is what true love looks like, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. We love because he first loved us. I have a grandmother who's lived out her entire life through faith, and I got to watch it. And ever since her husband's come to Christ, they've devoted their entire lives to serving the Lord. She's prayed with me, and she's prayed for me. She has strengthened my faith. She has rebuked me, and she has taught me, and she has instructed me with Scripture. She has set an example of what a godly mother and a godly woman looks like. My my stepmother, who, when she married my dad, she didn't have any children. And she married a man who had two kids in elementary school, and she loved us as her own. She married him not knowing, or she married him knowing that she wouldn't have any years alone with him, that he came with baggage. But what she did know, she was marrying a man who was dedicated to loving God and loving his family. She was marrying someone who is dedicated to loving the Lord and his children. And she gave me and my sister stability. She gave me a great example of what humility and sacrifice and stability looked like. My mother. She gave up stability. She gave up fortune, a fortune working at a Fortune 500 company. She did all this to go into the Salvation Army. She gave up the comfort of being close to home where she and her family, uh, my, my stepdad and my stepmom, they live right now in Dover, Delaware, as they serve the Salvation Army. My mother has prayed with me and for me. She has rebuked me, taught me, and instructed me with Scripture. She set an example for me and my sisters of an example of sacrifice and perseverance. And I have a wife who loves Jesus more than she loves me. She has served God alongside me for 12 years. She's created a home where Jesus comes first. And I thank God that Bowen and Sadie get to see that every day. My wife has a servant's heart. and She's teaching your uh, preschoolers right now. And she displays what a godly mother looks like every day. My wife has prayed with me and for me. She has prayed with and for Sadie and Bowen. And she has used scripture to rebuke and to instruct and to teach our children. And every day she sets the example of what a godly woman looks like. You have an opportunity, moms, to make that kind of impact in your children's lives. Dads, you have that kind of opportunity to create that kind of Moment or that kind of disciple in your home. And the only reason that we're able to be godly, Christ-centered parents is because of Jesus. And here's a verse from, uh, I want to end with just a verse from a hymn called Because He Lives. Uh, and this is how it says, this is what it says. How sweet it is to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and the joy that he gives. But greater still is the calm assurance 
that this child can face uncertain days because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all our fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Let's set out to make disciples in our own homes and be the greatest parents, mentors, moms, and dads we can be. Amen. Let's pray. Hey, God, we love you, and we're thankful. Uh, We thank you for... uh, God, we, we thank you for grace. We thank you on this Mother's Day for being our Father, a Father who forgives and a father who um, is, is good. A father who, for those of us who is pr- are pursuing you, God, that you have our best interest at heart. God, that you reward those who earnestly seek you. God, for those of us who have had godly mothers, we thank you. We thank you for the example they've set in our lives. God, for those of you, for those of us who haven't, we thank you that you fill that spot and that you've shown us the example of what love is. God, I pray for the Holy Spirit to give this group the courage, God, that, that, that in our homes, that we'll make it the, the, the calling of our life not to make money or not to... To, to work hard. Or it's, it's not the calling of our life to, to do anything except make disciples in our home. God, for those of us, that, that's a new perspective. Lord, I pray that that's a fire that's lit under our tail end. And, and God, we go home with a passion to love the kid, our kids with the love of Jesus. For those of us that have lost that flame, God, ignite it. As we watch our kids just fall in love with you. I pray for the kids in the village. God, that, that, uh, I thank you for giving them godly parents, right? And I thank you for for raising them. And Lord, I pray that in, in this way, that as they learn the gospel, that as they grow older, it won't depart from them. God, my prayer right now, in this moment, is that it will be in our hearts to love the Lord our God with our whole mind and our whole soul and our whole strength. It's in in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen.